The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus entered a boat, made the crossing, and came into his own town. And there people brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Courage, child. Your sins are forgiven. At that, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. Jesus knew what the scribes were thinking and said, Why do you harbor evil thoughts? Which is easier to say? your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your stretcher, and go home. He rose and went home. And when the crowds saw this, they were struck with awe and glorified God who had given such authority to men. The Gospel of the Lord. At the conclusion of the Gospel reading, the priest or the deacon who proclaims its words kisses them. And as he kisses those words, he says a prayer, not simply for himself, but for everybody who has heard them. So while my lips kiss the book and I whisper the prayer, it is not a prayer just for me or about me. It is a prayer for us and about us. And that prayer, again, we can spend our whole lives going to Mass and never hear it, never learn it, is very simple and very beautiful. By the words of the Gospel, may our sins be wiped away. What a remarkable statement that is. It's an acknowledgement not simply of our own imperfection, and capacity for wickedness, but also a beautiful acknowledgement of from whence comes healing, from whence comes cleansing, from whence comes forgiveness. And that is in the saving truth that our Savior has given us. And that is a beautiful point upon which to pause on this particular day. Because this is not an easy day to speak about, not an easy day to pray about, not an easy day to reflect upon. And at times, because it can be so difficult, so awkward, so inconvenient, as is the case in many things in life, when they're difficult, awkward, and inconvenient, we avoid them. This is the wisdom of the bishops who said that we will not avoid this day. 
and we will mark it on our calendars every year that we observe it. And our observance in the United States of this day as American Catholics has been uneven, but it hasn't been non-existent. Yesterday, yesterday, thousands of people marched in Washington, D.C. And that is a good and important witness to life. But today is the important day. And today is the day where the church does more than pray and march in a single city. This is the day where the church as the body of Christ in the United States should gather and do that less public, but much more mighty and important thing, which is prayer and penance. Thousands witnessed visibly, but it is the invisible witness, the less public witness of those who gather this day, not in a single city, not before cameras, and not carrying signs. And again, all of that is good and important and necessary. But the real movement is that movement of the entire body of Christ, that movement of the entire body. And on this day, the issue is not witness. The issue is prayer. And it's a peculiar kind of prayer, a prayer that our readings today illustrate beautifully. The first is it is the prayer of honest admission. We are sinners. And our nation has sinned. Our society, our culture has sinned. And we ourselves are sinners living among a nation of sinners. That's the truth. That is the truth. And we are brought to this curious moment, this moment of national woundedness in part because there are all too many of us, leaders and citizens alike, who don't want to face the simple truth of our capacity to do wrong, of the fact that we are sinners. And a sinner needs to be forgiven, and a sinner needs to repent, and a sinner needs mercy. A sinner needs saving. But when we ignore that, we close ourselves off to mercy, not because mercy is not available, but because we don't seek it. We don't open ourselves to it. When we fall into the trap, either personally or socially or politically, justifying ourselves, convincing ourselves of our own goodness, our own righteousness, we have no need for the saving gospel of Christ. And all we do is parrot its words, but they don't penetrate us. They don't change us. And so note how important, note how important that statement of the Apostle John is. If we say we are without sin, we lie and we make him a liar because he didn't die for our innocence. 
and he didn't die for our righteousness. And he didn't die because we're already perfect. Because if that was the case, we wouldn't need any saving at all, would we? How important that is, that sobering admission that we are sinners living in a sinful world, and we who have been saved still have that capacity to fall within us. And when John writes that way, he's not writing about everybody else. He's writing about you, and he's writing about me. And when the bishops ask us to mark this as a day of prayer and penance, that's where it begins. Not with the Supreme Court. Not with the doctor who performs an abortion or the woman who seeks one, but with me. And the fact that I'm a sinner too. And as one sinner living among others, I need to cry out. I need to cry out. Not somebody else. I do. Because I can't pray on this day out of a narrow, self-righteous judgmentalism. Rather, that admission of my own guiltiness provides the humility out of which real prayer, strong prayer, deep prayer can rise. Note how important that is. But we move from that, from that I am a sinner, to the language of the psalm which says, have mercy on us, O Lord, for we have sinned. And now note how I becomes we. And I realize that as I pray, my prayer is connected to a greater prayer, a broader prayer. I am not the only one who has sinned. I am not the only one who needs mercy. We do. We do. Even if many of that we do not realize it. Even if many of that we do not recognize or understand it. We have sinned. And if they can't pray on their own for whatever reason, I can pray. But my prayer now is about us. Note how beautiful that is. On this day, we are Catholics and we pray together. And on this day, we are Catholic Americans and American Catholics. And uh, the we of our prayer is not just the we who gather here. It is a we that includes our nation. It is a we that includes all of this, even those who recognize not that they have done wrong, even those who cannot see how they have fallen. But note how we pray for them, not simply as, Lord, change those people, but rather, Lord, change us. Lord, heal us. Because the wound of a nation affects all of its citizens. The falling of a nation affects all of its people. 
And we Catholics at times have much to repent of too for our own witness individually and collectively may have been too tepid, too weak, too ineffective, too indifferent. And so we recognize, we recognize that in some way this does involve all of us. And then we have that beautiful, beautiful passage from the gospel which has so very much to speak into our curious national moment today. The Lord comes to his own town. And note that connection of the Lord is home. This is where he lives. And where he lives, a certain woundedness is brought to him. And so on this day, we don't pray in Washington, D.C., the buses have all come back home. We pray where we live. We didn't get in boats. We got in our cars. We came here. Yet in a real sense, we are, we are at home. And we pray. Here. Just as we hear in the gospel, the Lord came to his town. He is home. And there at home, Note how beautiful it is. A paralytic is brought to him because a paralytic can't get to him on his own. The paralytic can't walk to Jesus. The paralytic can't physically come to Jesus because by definition, a paralytic is incapable of movement. Oh my God. What is the single most common word used about our leadership right now in our nation? Gridlock, which means we can't move anywhere. We have a paralysis of action, a paralysis of decision. We have a, we have a moral paralysis, a political paralysis, and in all too many cases, a certain spiritual paralysis. In all too many cases, moral, political, and spiritual numbness. But an inability to move, an inability to come to Christ. And note here, the issue is not simply that the paralytic can't move, it's that he can't move to Jesus on his own. We don't even know whether the paralytic wants to. We just know that these guys brought him. You know, that's the other curious thing about this story. We don't hear that the paralytic was at home and said, could you guys maybe get me to Jesus? All we hear is that this mysterious they, they brought to him a paralytic. We don't know who they were. We don't know. Was it his family? Was it his neighbors? Was it followers of Christ who were aware of him and found him and brought him? We don't know. We only know that it was them. They brought to him a paralytic. But they brought him. And this, in no small measure, is what we do as a church today. We are that they. And there are many hearts that are numb and paralyzed and incapable of movement. 
There are many structures in our society that are divided and broken and incapable of moving. Not simply moving to do something, but moving toward goodness, moving toward rightness, moving toward mercy, moving toward Christ. For some, it is women who feel terribly and horribly alone and overwhelmed and can't find another way out. For some, it is those whose hearts are hardened in a sense of false security, that somehow by ending innocent life, I am protecting rights and standing for goodness. And there's a certain invincibility in that self-righteousness once it hardens itself. And it doesn't move because it doesn't see the need to move. For others, for others, there are those who say, I am pro-life, but I also stand against policies that make it easier for a woman or a family to receive a child. And we don't let that go. There are so many elements of this where we become paralyzed. We become incapable of moving. And so note the we of our prayer. We lift up our own paralysis but we also lift up the woundedness and the paralysis of our nation and its people. How beautiful and important that is. And it's vitally important because, again, note what the gospel says. He do it doesn't say when Jesus saw the paralytic, he healed him. It doesn't say when Jesus saw the paralytic, the paralytic said, Lord, heal me. And the paralytic doesn't say, Lord, forgive me. Rather, the gospel says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, my child, your sins are forgiven. Note how important it is that somebody is they today, that there is that they who brings the paralytic to Christ, that there is that they who brings those who cannot move or will not move to the Lord. Because it's when we bring one another to the Lord, the Lord, seeing that faith out of which we do so. This is why our prayer today needs to be humble and non-judgmental, because we want the Lord to see our faith, our trust in him, not our sense of how right we are and how wrong somebody else is. We want the Lord to see that we have faith, that he can heal and forgive even those deep wounds that we struggle to forgive ourselves. And that it is important that we love our brothers and sisters so much that we bring them in that way to the Lord for their healing. And note how that healing comes. When the Lord sees their faith, he speaks into the life of the one who is brought before him the word of forgiveness. 
Jesus doesn't take the paralysis in his limbs away first. He says, your sins are forgiven you. And he is met with the reaction of who is he to think he can do that? In the same way all too many of our hearts and our collective national heart is so quick to say, how dare anybody say that I'm doing something wrong? Who is anyone to correct me, to challenge me? I have my truth. Note how hard that is. Note how hard our hearts are when we say that. How close they are, how unmoving they are. And the Lord, his word of forgiveness to the one who needs to be forgiven is met with that broader challenge. And now it's there that the Lord says the truth of forgiveness will be seen in the truth of his movement. And so get up and take your mat and leave. Don't lie anymore in your paralysis. Don't rest in your paralysis. Don't sleep in your paralysis but rise as a forgiven man and move in the freedom of forgiveness. How beautiful that is, to rise and move in the freedom of forgiveness. Because that is true freedom. That is true freedom. Not to rise and move in the freedom of self-righteousness or self-justification or selfishness or ambition. Rise and move in the freedom of forgiveness. Roe v. Wade could be overturned tomorrow, my friends, and that would be a good thing, a very good thing. But the reality is we would still be a people in need of the freedom of forgiveness. To move forward in that freedom, to move forward in that need, how important this day is. We have much to pray about. We have much to pray for. But we do not do this as the merely guilty or the merely needy or the merely wounded. We do this as those who know where freedom is found, where salvation is found, and where mercy is found. And so we do so with hope. And we pray with a certain confidence. Because they did not bring the paralytic to Jesus because they were unsure about what Jesus could do. They did not bring him to Christ because they were uncertain that Jesus would love him or forgive him or heal him. They brought the paralytic to Christ because they knew not just that Jesus could, but that Jesus would do something. Our prayer is powerful today, very powerful. But it's powerful not merely for ourselves. It's powerful in that beautiful direction where prayer today can change hearts both here at home and elsewhere. And how beautiful that is then that in just a few minutes, in just a few minutes, as we literally leave our chairs and come forward to receive him, think about this. 
As you stretch out your hands to receive your Lord in Holy Communion, you move, you move, you move toward him in the freedom of the salvation he has given you, in the freedom of the forgiveness he has given you. But for his word of forgiveness, you and I alike would be nothing more than that paralytic who can't get there on his own. But somebody's prayer, the prayer of the church, has brought us to him, and he has healed us. And if we can move to stretch out our hands to his mercy, it's because of that. And on this day, on this day, if even a handful of hearts are changed by what we do here, if even one heart is changed by our prayer here today, that indeed is the very greatest of things. And have no doubt that as we pray, hearts are changed. Amen.